grief cracked me so far open. Pieces of me went missing in an instant, many never to be found again. Hey everyone, I'm Stephanie Zamora, and this is our second episode on the Tales from the Journey podcast. In these first few episodes, I'm highlighting some of the key aspects necessary for uncovering and living out your purpose. And today we're going to be talking all about how to reorient your own life, work, and relationships in the aftermath of challenging chapters and big life transitions. Again, you're going to see a lot of this modeled throughout the interviews with our guests. Now, nothing is as maddening as standing in the middle of your own life, feeling as if you're hanging on by your fingernails, completely and utterly disoriented by the very people and things you worked so hard to surround yourself with, feeling entirely uncertain of how to engage in the places and spaces that used to feel like home. When we're altered at our core by these experiences, this is what navigating the aftermath feels like. This is what we have to face as we make the choice to rise up and come back. In episode one, I paint a clear picture of the five-phase journey mapping process, including identifiers for each stage and exactly what you need to develop and cultivate in order to move into the next stage with more ease. This work of reorienting that we're talking about today shows up in the fourth stage of journey mapping, which is all about choosing the path for your return. If you're in this fourth stage, you're likely feeling a bit raw and somewhat disoriented from the first three stages, especially stage three, navigating the special world, because you've gone through the challenging process of death and rebirth, shedding everything and everyone that no longer serves you, including aspects of yourself, your life, your work, and all the patterns and ways of being that allowed you to stay safe, secure, and successful up until this point. This means that in stage four, you're beginning to form a new sense of self. This looks like a new relationship to yourself and all aspects of your life from this new changed space. You've been building your choice muscle, getting clear on what choices you need to make to complete your return to really heal and become whole again, whatever healed and whole means to you in the aftermath of whatever you've walked through. Now, there are three components to this work that we're going to dig into. The first is reorienting, which is all about shifting how we relate to aspects of ourselves, our life, our work, and our relationships so that we can learn to engage in an entirely new and different way based on who we've become in the aftermath, rather than trying to get back to who we were and how we did things before. Now, reorienting is something that you always do in this stage before you decide if you need to renegotiate or release, and we'll be talking more about that process. So the second component is renegotiating, and this happens when we've been altered so deeply at our core, we may have to reestablish certain things in our life, especially when it comes to our relationships. This involves renegotiating boundaries, agreements, expectations, and obligations of all kinds, and it happens in relation to people, places, and things. Lastly, releasing, because sometimes, as much as we wish everything could stay as it is, we have to release certain people and things from our life in order to fully move forward into what comes next, letting go of the hands that held us and the environments that shaped us. Like I said, this process can be downright maddening at times, but once you understand which of these approaches to take for each area of your life, you can begin navigating your healing and growth with far more ease. 
Whatever it is that you're walking through, you're now struggling to relate to all the people and things that used to be foundational pillars for you. Depending on what you've been through and which stage you're at in the journey mapping process, you may not be 100% ready for this part of the work, and that's okay. Having the information about each aspect will be invaluable when you are finally ready for it, so please, please pay attention to all three. To start, I want to quickly share my own experience with this reorienting process. And if you want to learn more about my loss and trauma, you can head over to talesfromthejourney.tv to get the full story. But today, I want to talk specifically about my return. When my ex-boyfriend committed suicide after our relationship ended back in 2014, it rocked me to my core. I was left with a PTSD that ate away at my brain so badly I couldn't function. Grief cracked me so far open. Pieces of me went missing in an instant, many never to be found again. The loss and the trauma resulted directly in the failure of my business, the steady and dramatic decline in my income, my ending up in a toxic and abusive relationship, and so many health ailments, ranging from adrenal fatigue, which left me so exhausted I'd get tired walking from the couch to the kitchen. My back and hips were in such constant and severe pain that there were times I could hardly walk, let alone stand up. And at one point, I ended up with dysphagia, which if you're not familiar with it, that's where you can't swallow. I choked on my own saliva for nine long days, and it was a year before I could eat and drink normally. All that to say, a lot happened in the aftermath of my loss, and it absolutely flattened me. It changed so much about who I was as a person, how I showed up in my work and relationships, and how I engaged with the world around me that I started feeling like I was bumping up against walls where there used to be doors. That was the best way I could describe my experience of trying to do almost everything in the years after. I could remember who I was before, I could even see it in my mind, but I couldn't seem to be it anymore. I likened it to what I've heard people share about being in accidents. A friend of mine actually fell off a water tower and smashed his head on the way down, and he was in a coma and had a traumatic brain injury, which meant he had to relearn how to function, move, speak, everything. When you've been through an experience like that, you can remember walking. You can even watch videos of yourself doing it. You can see others moving around the world with ease. You understand it intellectually, but you can't physically make your body do the thing it once did. That's what it felt like to me in the aftermath. Yes, I could walk, so not nearly as impossible or overwhelming, but incredibly frustrating and disheartening. I couldn't make sense of how to do so many things I had once done before. I kept trying to be the person I was before loss and trauma stole me from myself, but I couldn't. I wasn't capable of being that person or behaving in those ways anymore. What I realized was that I had to discern between when am I supposed to commit to getting back to where I was, and when is it time to turn and start walking in a totally new direction? For example, my brain didn't work. It was so bad that I would drive in circles around my house because in the time it took me to laugh the block, I would forget I was going home again. So many people tried to tell me that maybe it's just how my brain was now. And their hope was to bring me some peace rather than watching me suffer as I constantly resisted what had become my reality. But I couldn't accept it. Loss and trauma rewired my brain in a single instant. There had to be a way to wire it back. I was sure of it. I had to believe that. 
And so I reclaimed it. I went to endless healers and I worked with so many different modalities. I read books on trauma, having to reread it repeatedly because I couldn't remember what I'd read. I asked for help and I started pushing my brain to failure as often as I could. And sometimes that meant that I would find myself in the middle of doing something, something like being out with friends and no longer being able to function, no longer being able to understand logistics or track what was being talked about. I wouldn't be able to process the information. I'd have to ask my friends to order food for me because I couldn't read the menu anymore. I could read the word chicken and maybe the word salad, but I had no context for them like in relation to each other or if they were foods I would want to eat. I was so overwhelmed and frustrated, but I would continually stretch my capacity. This is very similar to the concept of the window of tolerance, where we actively bump up against our edges to expand our capacity and tolerance for certain things. I did the deeper process work to heal my trauma, and I healed my brain. Today, one of my biggest clients refers to me as her second brain because I can track multiple projects with complex details and have all this historical knowledge, and I can remember things she said and done, and that's a huge win for me because there was a time that I couldn't remember anything. My point is, I didn't give up. I refused to accept that I would never have an amazing memory again, that I would have to struggle and forget and lose my ability to function for the rest of my life. That was unacceptable to me. I was able to discern that this particular form of bumping up against a wall where there used to be a door was a place to dig in and do the work, to find a way through and to reconnect with an old way of being. Now, to be clear, even in getting back to old ways of being, there is change in the aftermath. These things alter us. My brain is back to being almost as amazing as it was before, yet the way I track and process information is completely different. So it's not about going back 100% because that's not always an option for us, but it is about choosing not to give up on certain aspects of yourself, your work, and your ways of being in relationships. Most things though have honestly been the opposite. I've had to learn so many new ways of being both big and small. I had to learn a new way of approaching building my business when I finally got back to hiring team and taking on more work. I actually cried on the phone to a business coach who was talking to me about growing an agency because I didn't understand what she was saying, despite having done it before my loss. She actually had to find a different way to communicate it to me so I could make sense of it in my mind. I have to see things visually now, whether that's a to-do list, planning, or mapping out strategies for myself and clients, I can no longer track it in my head in the way I did before. I've had to learn totally new ways of being in relationships from romantic partnerships to friendships because my needs are different. My love language is different than it was before. What was once quality time is now acts of service, which totally makes sense if you know how much I struggled from the trauma. Plus my bandwidth and capacity is different. I'm physically unable to tolerate things that don't feel aligned or nurturing to me. Some part of my body will completely shut down or wig out if I try to be somewhere I don't want to be for longer than I want to be there. I'm not able to show up in certain ways or in the roles that I used to, ways I used to love or be happy to do. Now, all of this required discernment around when it was time to turn and walk in a new direction, to ask for help, learn a new way of being, renegotiate, or let something go. And this is the challenging work that we do during the return. Now, this work becomes a million times easier to navigate when you're clear on what you're returning to, what it is that you want to create, and who you're becoming in the aftermath. 
what comes next for you. So keep in mind if these processes feel hard or impossible that you might just be lacking that clarity and that will come in its right time. It's not impossible, I promise you that, but they, it may feel that way as you begin to work on them in your own healing and growth. It just requires learning a new way of being and in order to learn and step into a new way of being, you do need that sense of clarity. You don't have to see the full vision for what's next or what you want or what you're working towards. You just need a sense or a little bit of direction. I want to lean this way or that way. I feel compelled to try this or that. It can often be the subtlest of feelings in your body, but it's there. Just tune in and find it and then trust it as your starting point. This is why I love the journey mapping process so much. It really helps you start to get your bearings so that you can move into clarity more rapidly. All right, before we dig into the three components of this work, the first thing that I want to touch on is intuition. Reorienting, renegotiating, and releasing all require you to tune into your felt senses because you need to tune into your intuition and inner knowing. You have to understand what your own form of bumping up against walls where there used to be doors feels like. It's always worth a reminder that intuition lives in the body and not the mind. So this is about being present in your body and aware of the many subtle sensations that occur. Now with trauma, this can become even more difficult. Trauma of all kinds will fragment us and often causes us to dissociate from our bodies. Dissociation causes separation and disconnect. We separate and disconnect from our bodies. Or when we overload our nervous system with too many hard and heavy emotions, or when a situation that's triggering, we leave. This is something I've experienced quite a bit. I've had to work really, really hard to be present and stay in my body. In fact, eyes up, eyes open is a mantra that I've learned to repeat to myself when anything is hard, triggering, fear-inducing, or uncomfortable. Eyes up, eyes open. When we dissociate, we may close our eyes, but we also look down or away. We try to leave the situation by not being able to see it, and we energetically separate from ourselves. We go numb. I bring this up because you can't tune into your intuition if you're dissociating from your body. So it's important to begin rebuilding that relationship slowly and consistently. Being with your breath, engaging all your senses, feeling your body against the seat you're in, what parts are resting against another surface and what that surface feels like, to feel the air in the space around you, hear all the background noise, notice the way the different parts of your body actually feel, what's tight or tense, what's in pain, what's numb. Learning to re-engage with your body in this way is hugely necessary for this work because intuition is essential to the process. You need to be able to trust yourself immensely to do this work. I can't stress that enough. Not just because it's hard and it requires discernment, but because you'll be coming up against a lot of pushback as you begin making changes. You've been changed, but the people and communities around you most likely haven't been changed. And what would make them most comfortable is if you just fall back into the place you stood before, playing your role and showing up in the ways that are familiar to them. So having your own back and being able to trust your own judgment is everything important. All right, let's dig in. First, let's talk about reorienting. This is all about shifting how we relate to aspects of ourselves, our life, our work, and our relationships so that we can learn to engage in an entirely new and different way based on who we've become and the aftermath of these experiences that we walk through rather than trying to get back to who we were 
and how we did things before. Reorienting is about finding our bearings and how we relate to the things around us. And it starts with noticing where you're bumping up against those walls where there used to be doors. You might be trying to show up in a long-term relationship based on what you knew your role to be and the way you knew yourself to relate to that particular person before. But now it's uncomfortable and hard. You can't seem to have the same conversations. Everything feels clunky and mistimed. Or you might be trying to show up in your work, doing the things you've always done, but struggling to actually produce or complete. For me, the way I express myself has changed so dramatically that I couldn't write for a long time. It was a fight. I wrote a daily awesome life tip for three years straight and stopped the day my ex passed away. I just couldn't do it anymore. I struggled to write blog posts until one day I realized that how I wrote in the aftermath was more story-based. And once I understood how to relate to this aspect of my work in a new and different way, I was able to write and I have yet to stop. So it's about really noticing areas where you intellectually feel like you know how to show up or be in relation to people and things, but you can't quite seem to do that anymore. Or you just straight up can't even come close to who you were and what you did before. Start by feeling into where you feel stuck. Do you know when you've hit a wall? Where are you feeling frustration or tension in your body when you try to do the things you've always done? What is something you were once excited about, but now you can't seem to rally around? Where do you feel like you're letting other people down the most? What aspects of your life feel like a strange mix of known, but also unfamiliar? This gives you clues as to where you're unable to engage with your life and work in the ways that you used to. Once you've identified these areas, the work is about getting your bearings. You're not who you once were. So how do you feel about these things now without considering how you felt about them before? It's hard, I know, but you have to tune into your body and get really, really present with how you feel right now. Maybe you're not clear yet on where you're going or what you even want, but when you tune into this person, experience, place, or thing with full body presence, what do you feel about it? Honestly. Not what you think you should feel about it, not what you used to feel about it, but what do you actually feel? Does it no longer resonate? Is it no longer aligned, even if you couldn't name what feeling aligned might look like? Do you have resistance to doing, being, or having it? Honesty is really key here. There's no judgment, no making yourself wrong. And for the love of all things healing, Please do not do this work with anyone who isn't 100% supportive of you stepping into what comes next, even if that means leaving them behind. It takes one hell of a secure and healthy person to support someone in doing what's best for them if it means ending a relationship or stepping out of a role that is good and comfortable for them. Don't do this work with anyone who can't hold space for you or your truth to come through. People color each other's experiences with their own experience and opinions. They give misguided insights because of fear, limiting beliefs, or their own subconscious programming. Nothing that anyone says to you is relevant if it's not, how do you really feel about this? Or what do you feel is best for you now based on who you are in this moment? Very few people can do this cleanly. There are even a lot of coaches that project their own stuff onto their clients or simply coach and teach based on experience. Experience is rooted in the past, in another time, place, and perspective. Be here now. Be with each aspect of your life, one person or thing at a time, with all the presence you can bring. 
Now, you can do this as a whole process, writing out all the relationships, communities, commitments, obligations, aspect of your work, and other pillars in your life and assess them one by one. Or you can simply feel into things one at a time as they come up in your day-to-day. What was the last conversation you had before listening to this podcast? Did it feel nurturing and supportive? Did it feel aligned? Is it a person that you still have a desire to have in your life or an aspect of your work that still feels fulfilling? Were you feeling as if you had to fill an old role or an old way of being? How do you really feel about it right now? Another part of reorienting is the action aspect. Once you get honest about it, what do you do? And that leads to the next two components of this work. Reorienting is really something that you have to do with each area of your life, and it's the first step to take. The second component is renegotiating, and this is just one of your options after you've reoriented for how to take action based on what you've uncovered. Renegotiating happens when we've been altered so deeply at our core that we have to reestablish certain things in our life, especially when it comes to our relationships. It involves renegotiating boundaries, agreements, expectations, and obligations of all kinds. None of this work is easy, and renegotiating is no different because it requires hard, honest conversations across the board. You've done the work to reorient. Now you have to decide if you want to renegotiate. That means you've determined that a person, place, or thing is something you want to keep. You want to learn a new way of relating to it, and that requires tearing apart old unconscious roles. It takes two really, really healthy individuals to avoid falling into roles, so you'll find that most of your relationships have some kind of role to them that breaks down simply to you show up in these ways, they show up in those ways. You do certain things together and certain things separately. You talk about some things, but not others. And there's a certain context or frame to how you relate to each other. Regardless of the specifics, one or all of these things no longer fits for you. You've changed, which means to be in relationship with these people, places, or things, you need to renegotiate. Let's talk about things first, because that can be confusing. Yes, you can renegotiate your relationship to things. For example, not only did loss and trauma alter me so deeply as a person, but they caused a lot of health issues for me. I didn't want to stop being active or trying to maintain a certain level of wellness, but I had to renegotiate my relationship to fitness. I simply couldn't do certain things anymore. For a long time, running was off the table because I was in too much pain, but I could go for long walks and easy to moderate hikes. Swimming was also really good for me. I also had to bring in a chiropractor to work with and a friend who did personal retraining, which was his own unique form of exercise for people with injuries. And I honestly had to slow my roll. I couldn't lift weights for a long time. And when I finally could, I had to take it easy. I had to build my way back to the strength that I have now. And it required bringing in a personal trainer and being really honest about what my body could and could not do. I had to keep the adrenal fatigue in my mind for a really long time. And that meant only eating certain ways, going to bed early and sleeping until I woke up and taking certain supplements. I had to change my approach, how I saw myself in relationship to this particular thing. Renegotiation with things is one-sided. It's all about what you need to adjust in order to relate to the thing you want to keep in a way that works for who you've become. That makes it a little less complicated, but it can still be hard work. Let's talk about places. That might be your place of work or a community that you're a part of. If you decided it's something you want to continue with, you have to look at how you want to show up inside of it, along with what you want to get out of it. 
being really, really clear on what that looks and feels like and why it's important for you. And then you have to have a conversation about it. That might mean talking to your boss about different hours. You can do something like sleep until you wake up if you're dealing with health issues like my adrenal fatigue. I want to keep working here and I'm working on my healing. In order to do that and bring my best self to this position, I need to shift my hours. Here's what I propose. It could be a networking group you're a part of or a community that you work within. Whatever it is, you have to know how you you feel about it and what you want and need. The same goes for people in relationships. What do you want and need for it to be a space you feel safe and supported? How do you want to change your roles or expectations? What needs to be different? Naming what you want and need can be incredibly challenging work, especially if you have trauma or you're still in the stage of journey mapping or you're feeling turned upside down inside your own life. But it's necessary to actually being able to step into that conversation with whoever you need to talk to. The important thing to remember is this. It's a negotiation. It's not just you and a thing. It's you and another person or group of people. They might say yes. They might say no. They might voice their own wants and needs, and then you have to decide what's negotiable and what's not. Are you willing to find a middle ground that feels good and to navigate that conversation until you do? Or are you clear on what you will and will not tolerate? It's important to be clear in your agreements with these people or places. What are you both agreeing to? What are the new boundaries that are important and non-negotiable? What are the consequences if those boundaries are crossed or the things you can no longer tolerate continue? Consequences are so important and they're simply a thing that happens as a result of other things happening. You can assign meaning to them as good or bad if you want, but that's really all they are. And with boundaries and tolerations, there must be consequences. If you negotiate new hours with your boss and they don't honor them, what will you do? How important is it to you to step into a new way of being to support your growth and healing? Will you look for another job? Will you quit? Do you have an alternative you can suggest? If you set new expectations with your friend or partner and they're not met, what happens? How many times are you going to have the same conversation and continue to negotiate around the same terms and tolerations? What feels reasonable to you knowing that you're asking another person to step into a new way of being with you? Or is it something you said you can't tolerate anymore? And if so, what does it mean for you to no longer tolerate it? Ending the relationship, bringing in a third party like a counselor, mediation. You have to be really firmly clear about your boundaries and tolerations. This is so important because you're doing such challenging work around rising up and coming back, around stepping into what comes next for you. You can't do that if your environment doesn't support it. If the people around you aren't willing to grow and heal with you, or at the very least, respect your boundaries, honoring your very important wants and needs. This is another conversation around ecology, which we talked about in episode one a bit with the journey mapping. You've changed, which means your ecology needs to change as well. And ecology is simply your environment made up of all the people, places, spaces, conversations, beliefs, feelings, experiences, and information that surrounds you on a daily basis. You're no longer the organism you were before. You have different wants and needs, an entirely different combination of elements required for survival. You have to be vigilant about adjusting your ecology to match your current needs so that you can heal and grow. So be really, really clear on your boundaries, tolerations, non-negotiables, and consequences as you go into these conversations with the people, places, and things in your life, which leads us right into our last component, which is releasing. Because sometimes, as much as we wish everything could stay as it is, we have to release certain people and things from our life 
in order to fully move forward into what comes next, letting go of the hands that held us and the environments that shaped us. Now, this is really, really hard and heartbreaking work, but I'll tell you that it's also the most healing and expansive work I've done. I've let go of so many of the hands that held me over the years, people I loved and care about deeply, good, kind, amazing humans who I simply outgrew or who were no longer supportive and nurturing in my growth and healing, who didn't fit inside my new boundaries and tolerations. Releasing can happen as a consequence of renegotiation, or it may be the action step after reorienting and getting clear about how you really feel. This is an aspect of growth and healing I don't believe we talk about enough, how impossible it is to be a person in the world, let alone engage in the relationships that were once a pillar for you. People will think you're selfish for letting go of the hands that held you, but I think it's a normal part of the journey. We talk a lot about how grief and trauma will show us who our real friends are, who's willing to stick around long after it seems normal to still be grieving or struggling. Many people won't, and while it's hard, it's almost acceptable. But what about you? You're not who you were before. In the process of grieving the person you once were alongside your lost trauma or transition, you're going to learn more about yourself, what you want and need, and who you're becoming which ultimately leads to more loss more often than not because you're not who you were before and you can't show up in those old ways of being anymore. Some people will be able to adjust and meet you to grow with you into this new chapter of your life in a way that feels safe and supportive. And that happens when we renegotiate and it feels good to everyone involved. But honestly, a lot of people won't and you're under no obligation to be the person you were before life flattened you. You're just not. I know it pains your heart. I know it's hard to hurt the ones you love, to want to be there for them, and to know that you just can't anymore. I know how much that wrecks your heart, but I also know that it's okay. It's a normal part of the process. I stepped down from being a bridesmaid in the wedding of a friend I absolutely adored because I felt trapped by the roles and expectations of our relationship. Like I couldn't really move forward. I let go of a very dear friend who kept me too closely connected to my toxic and abusive ex, and I simply refused to tolerate that ex-boyfriend being anywhere near me or my life. I stopped hanging out with one of my favorite humans who I had so much fun with because the relationship became very one-sided. I was no longer willing to put his needs and desires above my own. I wanted mutually supportive friendships. I could go on. In fact, I let go of so many humans that I adore in the span of one year. I had clear, kind, loving, and incredibly challenging conversations with each and every one of them. Some I tried to renegotiate with. But with many, I realized my new boundaries and tolerations made them relationships I could no longer participate in. It was hard, and I grieved the loss of those friendships despite being the one to initiate their ending, but I've never once regretted letting those relationships go. I think of them often, I wish them well, but I don't reach out or re-engage. This brings me to another way that renegotiation and release play together. Sometimes we try to renegotiate and the result is release. Other times, we release and eventually circle back to renegotiate. This was the case in two hugely important relationships of mine, one with a mentor and one with a best friend. At first, release is what had to happen. 
with the best friend. It was at a time when I was still drowning in my PTSD and she didn't understand what was going on for me. So she was feeling hurt and disappointed that I couldn't be her bestie in the way I had always been. Because of where I was at in my journey, there was no renegotiating to be had. I simply did not have the energy, ability, or capacity to fight for her or our relationship. So I let go. I released. And after my brain began to heal, we were able to repair and renegotiate a new relationship. With my mentor, there came a point where I was no longer feeling heard in ways that were really, really essential for my ability to heal. I tried to have conversations to renegotiate, but it didn't help. And so I released. We didn't speak for nearly a year before it felt like we could repair. And in order to repair, we had to really renegotiate. We had some really challenging, tear-filled conversations that allowed us to set new boundaries and a new way to relate to each other. You really have to trust yourself to navigate this part of the journey. It took me some time, but I have learned the art of letting go. I've learned that not everyone is meant to journey with us for as long as we'd both like them to. Some people leave on their own and others we have to make the choice to release. And I've learned that it's ultimately what's best for all the hearts involved. When you make the commitment to heal and grow, to really lean into that more life, there's a sense of always passing through, always renegotiating and always reorienting. It seems to become the norm. And unless people are willing and able to grow and heal with you, you might not be in a relationship with them for very long. That's okay. It's as it should be. Send them light and love, but let them go if that's what's best for you and your healing, for you and your life, for who you are and who you're becoming. And here's something I want your heart to know. You will find new people to share the journey with. I have been through so many stages of growth, losing friends and communities and stepping into new ones. There are so many beautiful humans in the world. And when we release, there is a pocket of space that can be isolating and lonely. Yes, but it's just the transition. You're creating space for the right people to show up. And as long as you're committed to showing up fully as who you are in each and every moment, even if that's ever evolving as you heal and grow, you will find your right people at the right time. Don't cling to people because you're afraid of being alone. That's absolutely the wrong reason to keep people in your life that are meant to fall away. Trust yourself to navigate that space. It's an excellent time to tune in more deeply to what it is that you want and need to get clearer about where you're headed and what it is you're creating. So there you have it, reorienting, renegotiating, and releasing. Challenging stuff. And as you can see, it's a bit cyclical. Not even, it's, it's almost more like a matrix. You can jump between things, constantly reorienting the more you heal and grow, having to renegotiate and release, release and renegotiate. And it's, it's a messy process to say the least. But now that you understand each of these three, you can find more ease as you make your return. You're becoming who you're here to be, having been shaped by everything you've walked through. These three components will be hugely useful tools as you navigate moving forward into what comes next, and they'll come into play repeatedly throughout your life. When you're deep in the depths of your own journey mapping process, all of this healing and growth work can feel impossible. Living your purpose, having what you desire, creating true transformation, finding healing and a new sense of wholeness can all feel impossible. It's 
it's only impossible because you're operating from an old paradigm, an old winning strategy and set of beliefs, programs, and patterns that have allowed you to be as safe, secure, and successful as you are now. But all those things that got you to where you are are now the very things that are making what you want impossible. This is one of my absolute favorite topics, and I will be talking about it more in episode three, so be sure to check that out and find out what it takes to make the impossible possible. Thank you so much for joining us today and for being a part of this powerful community of purpose-driven individuals. We have a ton of free resources for you at www.talesfromthejourney.tv slash free, including access to an eight-week sampler of our renowned journey mapping program. That gives you instant access to impactful training lessons, life-changing exercises, and our signature AccuSesh processes that you can implement immediately. We love your help in getting the message out and growing our community, so please take a moment to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review on iTunes. I'll catch you in the next episode.